Hey everyone, and welcome to the Nerd Room, where we talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number 46. We're discussing Doctor Strange in comics. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And just to be clear, to alleviate some confusion, this is not a Doctor Strange film review yet. Unfortunately, here in North America, we do not have the Doctor Strange movie released yet. No. So, those of you that have watched it, I appreciate you keeping it to yourselves. Yes. Because it's almost impossible to avoid spoilers at this point. I've had to almost... Stay off Twitter, stay off Facebook, everything, because there's spoilers literally everywhere. Crazy. Just We were just checking YouTube just now, and a yeah. uh, uh, spoiler came up there. But, um, you know, those guys are spoiled over in um, overseas there, yeah. because they get these movies so much earlier than we do, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. very, very jealous of you guys. I, I don't know exactly which territories it came out in, but yeah. it came out in the majority of the planet, with the exception of North America, China, and a few other larger markets. Right. So yeah. what we're going to be doing this week is we're going to be running down some of the comic book history of Doctor Strange. Troy and I are, I would say, amateurs when it comes to Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. but we've taken it upon ourselves to read a few comics and understand a bit more of his past history, because we're a bit more familiar with his recent incarnations in the Illuminati, yes. in the Secret Wars version, and his new updated comic book. But what we want to do is kind of run down some of the key points of Doctor Strange, first appearances, and also touch and build a little foundation of knowledge when it comes to the mystical terms that you're going to hear in this movie. So there's all sorts of things. Ayabagamato, all these weird kind of you know, mystic dialect yeah. and all that. We're trying to break some of that down so at least you have some familiarity with those terms going into the movie. Yeah, perfect. So, and just off the top here, just wanted to say, if you guys ever want to get a hold of us, you can always get us at the Nerd RM on Twitter. And we're always looking for comments. If you guys have predictions towards the end of this episode of what's going to happen to post credit scenes, if we've missed something very crucial in Doctor Strange's history, we'd love to hear from you guys. So be sure to, to comment on the YouTube page, to go to our Facebook page, or even hit us up on Twitter. And just, just leave your comments. We'd like to develop and bring in our listeners and have them contribute to the show as a whole. Yeah, for sure. Just have that community, right? That chatting back and forth. We love it. But before we get into all of our Doctor Strange discussion, let's jump into some nerd news for this week. Yeah, because we have quite a bit of stuff coming up this week. Yes, yeah. we do. We just went through Halloween here. I saw lots of representation when it comes to Marvel, DC, all sorts of nerd costumes seem to be dominating oh, yeah. everything here. So I had a, my daughter running around and kind of checking out all these kids. So it's really cool to see Marvel, Star Wars, I saw yes. lots of rays. Yeah, uh, yeah was, Kylo Ren. Yeah. yeah. I love seeing that. I love seeing the kids kind of spread that nerd and represent the population here. That's right. Just see that generation expand, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's really interesting seeing how the films have influenced costumes because that's dominantly what you see out and about with all the kids. The candy that we're giving out and all that. It was all Marvel characters or cinematic DC characters, right. Star Wars and that. You don't see the typical kind of ghost goblins. You see some yeah. zombies and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's interesting to see kind of the makeup of what we're we're seeing. And Sanjay had mentioned to me that he's kind of keeping track of uh, the, the most uh, worn costumes oh, that okay. showed up at his house. And nice. it was mostly Marvel characters. Wow. Captain America, Iron Man and that. Yeah, I think that's about the same in my area too. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of cinematic DC... They're building a, a universe here, right? Or they're, they're trying they're to. They're trying to. <laughs> and Flash is one of their tentpole movies that's coming out, I think, next year. Or supposed to. 2018. 2018, yeah. okay. It's lost its second director. Yeah. And now, if the Flash incarnation that we've seen so far, he's been part of Batman vs. Superman. Mm-hmm. It seems that they're really having a hard time finding a footing for this character. Because the director, he directed Dope. Yes, and he's departed because of creative differences. He wanted to take maybe a more of an edgier take on the character. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the studio's too pleased with that right. because they've seen a couple attempts at edgier with Zack Snyder films and yeah. they haven't really panned out very well. 
Especially with the Flash, you don't need edgy. No. I mean, the CW's doing it perfectly right now. Yeah, right? you have a blueprint there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's there's rumors that this could push back the release date because mm. this should be set to film, I believe, in, in March of 2017. Yeah. And now without a director, a creative driver, I'm mm. curious as to if this movie is actually going to get put onto screen when it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. And that could really kind of mess up the what they're trying to build here, the foundation of characters, individual movies in the DC Cinematic Universe. Yeah, it's a little scary, right? I mean, I don't want to compare it to like the Edgar Wright situation no right because that was a little bit different because I mean that was what Edgar Wright was on there for what six seven years yeah making that movie and and I guess that's just a difference in the, the studio where, where Marvel's um, ended up right yeah whereas here it just looks like um well creative differences that's what they're saying so I think that's what Edgar Wright ran into but that yeah. movie was more or less ready to go yeah and it's also wasn't Marvel's kind of third fourth movie it right. was well into marvel's slate of movies here yeah. they had a blueprint kind of laid out they had the connective tissues that they wanted to interlace within that movie and mm. i think that's where edgar wright had the issues that originally he had a lot of freedom because there wasn't a cinematic universe exactly when he originally hired on and then when it came down to it he was into that i can't remember the ninth tenth movie or so yeah and it makes it really difficult when you're trying to build a universe to yeah. have something that looks so obscurely outside of it. Right, to fit that in there. I think that's probably what's going on with Flash here is yeah. that the studio is very nervous and mm. rightfully so. They've had some missteps here and hopefully they're corrected over the next few films mm. but they seem to be driving a lot of what Flash is going to be here And but yeah. I think they still need to give these directors some creative freedom. I definitely think so especially because this is the second director you would have thought they would have kind of sorted their issues out in the first place before going further into the production of this movie. Yeah. And continuing off the theme of directors departing films, mm-hmm. Deadpool 2. So we spoke a bit last week about how Deadpool 2 has lost its director, Tim Miller. And some more information has come out as to why he's departed. And initially it was said to be creative differences, a, a mutual parting of sorts from himself and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. And now they're talking that Tim Miller wanted to do a massive superhero film, a $200 million plus superhero wow. film. Not necessary. No, and the producers and Ryan Reynolds want to do again kind of this grounded gorilla type superhero yeah. movie where they don't need a big budget. They're going to kind of go with what they know yeah. and go with what was successful. And he wanted to go a completely different direction. Mm. Not a good look. I, I think, you know what, there's room for both though. I mean, I don't I don't want to see the exact same movie come out. But at the same time, I, I, I the, the studios made money off a 75 75 mil uh, budget, I think. Yeah. Wasn't it? Something in there, 50, yeah, 70. Yeah, it's pretty low, right? So, I mean, increase the, the budget, sure. But um, that's unfortunate. I really would have liked to see what those two could have done. But I did hear that they're looking at John Wick's director, yes. David Leach, yep. I think it is. Which is cool. I just watched John Wick yesterday for Halloween. And that's an incredible movie. I've not checked that out. It's good. Eh? It's really good. The Keanu gunplay, Reeves. Keanu yeah. Reeves is great. And, you know, and now seeing that, I'm like, that fits. That works for me. So, I'm interested to see the future of Deadpool, too. Injecting something a little bit different into this film probably is not going to hurt it. It worked yeah. for the first time, and maybe it's going to work for now. So yeah. hopefully we get something good coming out the other side. And I think it seems to be in pretty good hands. So I'm not too concerned about this right now. And yeah. again, the director is a big important part, especially the for directors sure. nowadays that are writing and they're having massive amount of creative input. Yeah. But at the same time, strong producers. You've got Kenberg there. You've got yeah. Ryan Reynolds. That's you've got right. a whole crew of people. And the same screenwriters too, right? Yes. Yeah. So... Not overly really concerned here. I still mm-hmm. think this is going to be a good movie. It's going to come out on time. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to see what happens. And actually when they release a, a release date here. Well, yeah. That's one of the X-Men movies I'm actually uh, looking forward to. Because I've kind of fallen off the X-Men universe. Uh, the Logan trailer has me hooked, obviously. But Deadpool, I'm, uh, I'm on target with that. So yeah. can't wait to see what comes out of Fox Studios there. 
And speaking a bit about the X-Men universe itself, Kevin Feige commented recently while doing promo for Doctor Strange about the relationship between Fox and Marvel as far as the studio level. And are we ever going to see the X-Men integrated into the MCU at some point here? And he wasn't really too confident in that. He said that the relationship between Sony and Marvel had thawed and that allowed them to bring in Spider-Man and kind of have some creative content together here. And they say that's still going okay. Yeah. It's not probably the best. Mm-hmm. We're seeing some, maybe not so much animosity, but Sony wanting to develop Spider-Man into something much bigger. Yeah. Where I think Marvel is trying to contain that a bit and be like, this is our universe. This yeah. is what we're going to do. But when speaking about the X-Men, it doesn't seem like there's any chance we're going to see them no. at all present in the Marvel Cinematic Universe until it gets to a point where maybe they're not making any money. So X-Men Apocalypse wasn't a juggernaut at the box office. Mm-hmm. We'll see how Logan does, but with the absence of Hugh Jackman going forward, yeah. Deadpool is what they're leaning on it's a now. flagship. And yeah. is that enough for a studio to be pumping out, say, a movie a year or a movie every other year? And at that, would you like to see the X-Men integrated into the MCU if we could see some of those relationships thawed, allowing at least translation of some of the characters into the MCU, maybe not all of them, but maybe yeah. some of them. You know, I'm actually I'm fine without seeing the X Men in uh, the Marvel Cinematic Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, good reason for it is we we wouldn't get many X Men movies. You know, X Men being in another studio, we get an X Men movie every year or two, and then we still get the Marvel movies. If we get X Men movies coming out of Marvel Studios, then Captain Marvel's going to be pushed back, and Black Panther's going to be yeah. pushed back, and a Daredevil movie, or whatever the case is. So I actually like where it is right now. To see a cameo, that would be kind of cool. But at the same time, I don't think they're going to give the rights anytime soon, no. because Fox still makes money. Their, their track record's been better yeah. than worse, right? And um, the cool thing here, though, is they left out uh, Fantastic Four. So yeah. maybe maybe we could still get Fantastic Four. I'm hoping for that. Um, but you know what? The thing is, you did see some good history with Marvel and Sony before, because I remember when Avengers came out and Amazing Spider-Man 1, when that came out, they did have some talks that maybe you'd see, like, the building, the Oscorp, um, Tower. Oscorp Tower in the Avengers movie. So those guys were always talking back and forth. Yeah. And Kevin Feige's also worked on Amazing, not Amazing Spider-Man, but Spider-Man 2. So yeah. he's always kind of been there with Sony a little bit. Whereas Fox, those guys seem to bump heads. So I don't think we're going to see an extra movie anytime soon under Marvel. And I'm not really too concerned about that anyways. Yeah. No, short of doing a complete franchise and cinematic universe reboot in the X-Men realm, yeah. there's no way you're going to get any of those characters coming over to Marvel. But yeah. I say that a Deadpool cameo would work because he could be self-aware. Yeah. I'm crossing over cinematic universes. That's a good point. Something like that. Cross-pollination of that, I think, is the only thing that could work. People would get it. Yeah. People would understand. It would be, yes, somewhat confusing. But because of the fourth wall breaking and because of the character that Deadpool is, recognizing the fact that he's crossed over some weird, invisible cinematic universe barrier right. would be hilarious. Because he's notorious for that. And yeah, yeah it could be... A Guardians movie would fit really yeah. good. Just something stupid and goofy. Oh, I don't know. Man. I think that would kind of work. That's the only type of sort of cross-pollination of these two universes that I could ever see working both on a cinematic level yeah. and a, a level where you're just promoting a bit of Deadpool and you're getting Deadpool in this MCU so people are kind of talking about it and yeah. freaking out about it. And that's the only thing that I think will ever work on that level. I like that. Maybe you could even cameo in a Green Lantern movie. <laughs> That would also be hilarious because he's the only character that you could actually do that with in a DC film. For sure. You could have him reference the fact that 
maybe I was Deadpool in a previous life. Right. We saw that in Deadpool, but how hilarious would that right. be for DC to acknowledge their misstep with that film and just be like, here's Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, let's just play Or with just it. even him in the background at yeah. some point. Oh, that'd be so I funny. love that. Yeah, so good. So next year, we're getting three Marvel Cinematic Films. I am super stoked about this. 2017 is going to be a huge year for oh MCU. Oh my god, yeah. And Thor Ragnarok is one of the pinnacles of the year for me for cinematic movies. Yes. And I really think that the director is on point here. The story sounds fantastic. Yes. What they're doing with Hulk and Thor, just off the charts. It's something completely different. So yeah. they are on their third director. Yeah. And I always, oh, his name is so hard to say, Taika. Taika, yes, Taika. that's the one. We'll go with it. <laughs> I really had to think hard there. But he released a set video, a rap video, if you will. And he, it was a Facebook Live event sort of thing that he was doing. And he was just walking around with a camera around one of the last sets they're on. And eventually you see Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, who's playing Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. But we watched it right before we started recording the podcast here again. And he walks around this kind of cosmic looking junkyard, very vibrant colors, there's sand people looking dudes, kind of yeah. junkers or something in there. Right. And it really took me aback because that's not what I was expecting from this movie. I was expecting a dark, apocalyptic, gritty, just dirty sort of movie. Exactly. And you look at the background here, there's all these colors. And you mentioned this perfectly, Troy. Guardians colors. Yeah. That's exactly what I felt off that. The tone looks so completely different than Thor the Dark World yeah. too. They're totally separating themselves from that, right? And the, the director, too, he seems like a really cool guy. Yeah. I've never seen really anything he's done, and no. I've never even heard him speak before. And he seems like he's going to inject something completely different into this. He's not your, your Kenneth Branagh, mm-hmm. your Game of Thrones-type Alan Taylor director, right. right? It's something completely sideways, and I think that's what this film needs. Yeah, because there's a lot writing on this one, right? Because the Thor's been the kind of weaker franchise in this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Yeah, and yeah. Foggy quoted this as being the Winter Soldier of the Thor franchise. Wow. It's got the same effects on the MCU that the Winter Soldier did. So they're setting up a lot here yeah. for Thor. And just seeing the set video, seeing it wrap, and I'm interested now, intrigued, in what this movie's going to be because it's completely sideways from what I thought it was going to yeah. be. And that could be you know, just a one-off throwaway scene or whatever. It could be anything. But just to speak of that we're going to get gladiatorial scenes with Hulk and Thor. Oh, man. And we're getting Valkyrie and Tessa Thompson. Well, maybe Better Ray Bill would be cool. Maybe. Maybe. I'm hoping for it, right? I'd love for that. So if you ever watch the Planet Hulk cartoon series, there's all kinds of really cool cameos in there. From the Guardians to Beta Ray to really old Marvel characters. It's Mm. really well done in there. And the Thor and Guardians film franchises seem to be almost melding together a bit more. Maybe trying to connect those two, you know, leech a bit off the the popularity of Guardians and get a bit more of that vibe in there and more of this cosmic feel to it. Mm -hmm. So you set up a cosmic universe with Guardians of the Galaxy, a look, a feel. And I'm hoping that Thor is going to take cues from that to try to integrate the, the larger cosmic universe that we do have in the mcu here yeah and have that fun right yes yeah and i'm expecting some of that to bleed a bit into doctor strange a bit because out of those movies the three of them seem to connect a bit at least a bit on this cosmic mystical end and you do get a bit of that in ant-man you kind of get a vibe from that yeah but i'm hoping that we're going to see some sort of cues and attachment through here and we're going to speak at the end what are predicted two post-credit scenes are awesome i'm not going to give much away but (laughs) i think it's going to be a thor related yeah (laughs) (laughs) and now jumping head first into the mcu's next film doctor strange so we mentioned the top here that it was released internationally and it had a hell of a weekend 
It pulled in $86 million overseas, which way outperforms Ant-Man, Guardians, Captain America, international markets outside of North America and China. Mm-hmm. It's putting well on track to have a huge weekend in North America. And this is overperforming from what they initially expected. They're, again, predicting about this 55 to 70 millions overseas, doing 86 and overperforming internationally. Only bodes well for the North American market. It's got great word of mouth. Mm-hmm. It's performing very well at the box office. And it opens in North America and China this week. Oh, can't wait. So it's probably going to outpace the 55 to 75 million initial estimates. And yeah. if this comes off into the $85 million plus, this is going to be a massive hit for Marvel. Again. Yeah. Again, <laughs> yes. The studio hit maker. Right. right? The, the license to print money with these characters. Yeah. And the fact that they're able to do this with, I'm going to say somewhat more of an obscure character. This yeah. is, you know, we're reaching into the depths of the Marvel comic book universe here to pull out Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. This is a pet project of Kevin Feige's. This is something that's been on the docket for years. Oh, yeah. We get a name drop in Winter Soldier. There's the mystical orb of Agamato that shows up in Odin's Vault in Thor 1. So this is something that they've been building for a while. Exactly. And we haven't really touched on the mysticism, the magical end of the MCU. We've got... Our science that is magic that we just don't understand from Thor world. Yeah. We've got our science-based characters like Captain America and Iron Man. Yeah. We're starting to venture into different cultures with Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And now we're really stepping into something completely different here. Right. And like I said at the top, what we're really going to do here is just try to break some of this down for you guys. And Troy and I aren't big Doctor Strange readers. I think it takes a certain type of person to get into that universe. It's it's almost a universe unto itself. Yeah, it is. It's confusing sometimes. There's a lot of different characters. You can't say any of the words when he's speaking, <laughs> the spells and all that. So you're kind of making stuff up in your head. And mm-hmm. I've always had a hard time getting into Doctor Strange. Yeah. He's always been more of a supporting Avenger, Defender, Illuminati. Illuminati's at his best, right? Yeah. yeah. And so can you just give the listeners a bit of background as far as what you've read for Doctor Strange? Just to give everyone a feel as, you know, we're probably all pretty much on the same level with the yeah. exception of maybe a few big Doctor Strange fans here. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty uh, new with the character. I was actually introduced to him more so with uh, the Fox Kid Spider-Man when he yeah. had a team up with Doctor Strange and whatnot. And then I watched his... Um, his like animated origin story movie, which was pretty cool, that got me into it, and it's pretty accurate, I believe, to his actual origin story. I did try picking up his all new, all different run, but I just I couldn't really get into it. Yeah. And it's been a great run, but I just I couldn't really personally get into it. So I'm pretty new with the character. I can't wait to see this movie because everything I've been seeing, because uh, I know you've been staying away from the promotions, but I've been I've been watching everything, and I'm just I'm so into this universe, and I think it's really cool that. Marvel's going to shine with this magic. I think this is the year of magic movies with yeah. uh, the Harry Potter movie coming out or the spinoff and then we got this coming out. I think it's their year. Yeah. I completely agree and I'm very similar to you. I just recently started reading some of the older Doctor Strange books in preparation for this movie so yeah. I get a bit more familiar with the characters and some of the mystical elements that we're going to encounter in the movie just yeah. to try to enhance my overall experience in the movie so I'm not coming out asking more questions right. and hopefully going in and seeing stuff, Easter eggs and kind of getting that enjoyment without having to go back and repeat watch and that right. so i'm gonna say right now just before we get going into this a bit more is that we're gonna say spoilers like okay. troy mentioned i don't watch many of the trailers i haven't watched any of the tv spots mm-hmm. but we're gonna be talking about comic book doctor strange right. nothing from the film specifically but one thing we have to remember here is doctor strange's origins haven't really changed that much since he was first created in 1963. It's one of these characters that hasn't gone through many phases of evolution in the comic book world. His origin story is going to be told. We saw in the first trailer, the first teaser, it's going to be told 
pretty similar to this. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the elements we're going to hit on here are going to be similar to what is going to be in the movie. They're taking a lot of inspiration from these comics and from even the Ditko style. So full spoilers here, guys. We have not seen the movie. And Troy's going to stay away from kind of trying to bring in a lot of references from the trailers and the TV spots just to leave that element of surprise for those that are still trying to keep that, myself included. Exactly, yeah. Speaking with the comics, have you checked out the prequel comic that Marvel's been doing with these movies? Like, I know there's a Spider-Man one. They, I think they said they're going to do... They are doing a Doctor Strange one they as well, They did. Right? So it was released a couple months ago. Okay, and did you pick I that did one up? I did pick that up. And yeah. it just really talks a bit about Wong and a few of the characters kind of going in this, introducing you to the main villain a bit. Right. I'm not going to go into too much depth because there is some slight spoilers, spoilers in yeah. there. So it's probably something to go back and revisit after the film. It just nice. gives you some backstory on what's going on in the universe. So mm-hmm. there's some references to London being destroyed oh, okay. within the Dark World. The Dark World. Yeah. And there's a few other cool references. And the, the first part of it's focused around Wong, okay. who is his kind of manservant. Yeah, right hand man. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I'd recommend going and picking them up. They're really hard to find, actually. Yeah. When these prequel comics come out, they're usually a month or two in front of the movie. Mm-hmm. And they don't go into too much detail. Detail, but they usually are short stacked on the comic shelves yeah. in at least the comic book shops that we have here. Yeah, and they're one-offs, right? They're one-offs. They yeah. don't come with digital copies, but they're really hard to get. They're highly collectible. I bet. And I've got the majority of them. I missed, I can't remember one of the cap ones I think I'm missing. Oh, but okay. Because they're so hard to get, you usually got to get to there on the Wednesday, usually at lunchtime to actually wow. get your hands on these, at least from the comic book shops here. In Calgary. So if you're interested in expanding a bit of the knowledge of the MCU, yeah. these prelude comics are great. And they're also doing comics that are the Marvel Cinematic Universe guidebooks to individual movies. Cool. Also very hard to get, but they're doing each movie and kind of chronicling a bit of the characters and relating a bit more to the comics and the film, where the film took inspiration from. Nice. Hitting on little Easter eggs and how that ties in the wider comic book universe. It's a nice reference book. For the MCU, if you're looking to jump a bit more into the comic end of it, yeah. it's a great way to bridge that gap because it gives you indication, too, of maybe some stories to read and what you're going to enjoy if you enjoyed the film as far as a comic book universe. That's good. Okay, I like that. And hitting back on my experience with Doctor Strange here. So, I recently went and bought the trade for The Oath, which is a five-issue miniseries of Doctor Strange. And it's one of the most sought-after stories for Doctor Strange because not only does it tell a really good story, it kind of introduces you to the relationship between Wong and Doctor Strange and how strong that bond is, but also does flashbacks where it retells his origin story. It really helped me kind of bridge some of the gaps that I was having and some of the difficulty I was having with the Doctor Strange comic book. So I'd really recommend going out and grabbing that. And if you can, even before the film, I know it comes out and when this drops, it's going to be the day it actually drops here in North America. But if you're looking for a comic book after, The Oath is something that you can get it digitally. That's how I got it on just the Marvel app. And it's a good read. It kind of gets you into Doctor Strange. And I think it was written either in the 90s or the early 2000s. But it's got a real kind of Ditko era vibe to it. Nice, nice. Which is really, really, really cool. Cool. And he still has like the classic costume going on? Oh, yeah, definitely. Cool. And this character first appeared in Strange Tales 110 in 1963. So he was created by Steve Ditko and Stan the Man. Right. Steve Ditko, man. He holds it down on the art back then. And this is a duo that created Spider-Man as well just a year prior to this. Yeah. So these guys have a track record. And the interesting thing about Doctor Strange is that it was kind of this counterculture character that really captured a lot of this kind of psychedelia almost kind of acid trippy sort of vibe to it right 
And it really hit on a particular time in the 60s, in the 70s, when people were looking for something different. Mm -hmm. And this really contrasted your Iron Mans, your Hulks, just typical superhero type people, right? right? And one of the big things that brought a lot of people in was Ditko's art. And I think the film is going to take a lot of inspiration from this. This is kind of all over the place. If you mm. read this, some of the old stuff, you'd be you'd swear Ditko and company were on acid when they were doing this. And <laughs> it got a lot more abstract as you went further into the run. And yep. they really embraced this aspect of it. And I think twofold here that that's part of its success, yeah. but also part of what makes it difficult to get into. Right. It's very different than other comic books that we've read. It's you know it's not your Iron Man's, your Captain America's, where yeah. you can see the grounded nature of them. You can understand the characters. You can understand everything they're saying. Yeah, a lot of the science is there. It's 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 not as hard to grasp as this mysticism. And I think that's where people have a problem jumping into Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's that contrast and that different character that really bring you into the comic book once you've kind of embodied yourself and understand what's going on there. That's right. And he might be a character that was made to be told in a cinematic world. Yes. That's very, very true. And the character himself, Dr. Stephen Strange, so he has a very similar origin in a sense to Tony Stark. Right. They have the facial hair, yeah. which is commented on in various comic books throughout yeah. the years, too. Recently, yeah. And I'm really hoping we get to see some interaction of, of um, Benedict and Tony Stark. Yeah, Goatee Brothers. Yeah, or Goatee Gross. Brothers. Yeah. Robert Tony Jr. <laughs> Slipped out of my mind here. But he's got kind of this egotistical nature to him. He's a world-renowned surgeon. Yeah. And you've all seen in the teaser trailers, and I think they're just going to take this directly and translate it right onto film from comic yeah. books. He gets into a big car accident, and... His hands are crippled. Right. And it doesn't allow him to have what you need to be a surgeon anymore. Yeah. He doesn't have that steady hand anymore, the That's concentration. Right. So he's a neurosurgeon? He's a neurosurgeon, yeah. yes. And, you know, one of these high-paid neurosurgeons. And yeah. you see this in the Oath, too, where you see this egotistical nature of himself where he only operates on the people that's going to pay them the big money. Right. He's not going to do something for the small man. But I think really where Doctor Strange contrasts to Tony Stark a lot is, yes, they both come around, they have these experiences, so Doctor Strange goes to Tibet and Mm -hmm. sees the Ancient One when searching for a different route to fix his hand, so he's still self-motivated when going to Tibet, and then he comes out of that a very selfless person. Yes. And you do see that projected in the comics, where Tony Stark, I find... He goes through a similar type of journey, yeah. but he's still kind of a dick. I yeah, think, yeah, today, I think right? so. I think um, Steven Strange was just more of a dick before yes. he uh, became Doctor Strange, I guess you could say. yeah. I'm really interested to see how Benedict Cumberbatch embodies that egotistical nature of Doctor Strange and then has almost this rapid yes. transformation once he goes through his training with the Ancient One and that. Yeah, because he's such a great actor and I haven't seen him take on a role like that before where he's like a conceited, cocky person. So yeah. really looking forward to seeing that moment. And you can see that in Robert Downey Jr., right? Yes. Like that really works and he right. kind of plays off that a bit where in Iron Man 1, he was, yeah, a real dick <laughs> and he still has that hint of being a dick through oh, yeah. his whole cinematic appearances. Yeah. But Benedict has got to do something where it's just a big flip. And it comes down to how they portray his training, whether yes. it's going to be over a long period of time or over several weeks. Long mm-hmm. period of time, you could believe a personality transformation coming out on the other side and being someone that can go out and selflessly help people. Yes. One of the unique aspects of Doctor Strange is the fact that he has all of these ancient relics, these mystic objects, if you will, that aid him in his quest to alleviate humanity from pain, suffering, from other dimensional creatures or anything to that sense. And 
this is where a bit of the confusion I think comes in for me is that we have all these really weird objects with strange names and when you start to build the layers of complexity and the lore behind Doctor Strange, I think this is where people might get a little lost. This is definitely yeah. where I get lost in the comic books because it's not like he has an enormously long history. Like, yes, he has been around since 1963, mm -hmm. but when you contrast that to Iron Man, Captain America, and the amount of books that they've been in, yes. comparatively, Doctor Strange, you know, there's a lot of stories, but there's not a lot of stories. No, yeah. <laughs> if you know what I mean, it's yeah. kind, of, kind of hard here, but... I think that running through these mystical objects, I, from the trailers, what I can garner is that we're at least going to have two of these. Yeah. The Aya Bagamato, which right. is more of kind of a pendant that he wears around his neck, mm -hmm. and his cloak of levitation, which cool. is his big cape. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't until recently when I really started to jump into the comic books of Doctor Strange that I realized that this cloak of levitation they have, this, he's got the big cloak that comes up the back of his neck. Like, like Spawn. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of sentient. Oh, okay. So this is cool. what allows him to fly and maneuver the way he does in the comic right. books. And this is something that was gifted to him by the Ancient One. Okay. And again, it's one of these iconic pieces of Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah. You need the cape. That was the thing that we're looking for in the first trailer, right? Yeah. Is where's the cape? Yes. Where's the cape? It's got you know iconic colors, the size of it and all mm -hmm. that. It's the very, collar. It, the collar yeah. is key, right? Yeah. It's very different from Thor's cape, which yes. is the red kind of... So I, I think this is going to play a big part. It's probably all CG would be oh, my yeah. guess in the film. But what this does is it really provides a defense against mystic assaults. I like the idea that it's a bit sentient because in the oath, the comic book I just finished reading, he kind of talks to it and it kind cool. of obeys him a bit. And it, when he drops it off, it kind of sits there and levitates. And I'm really curious if they're going to go down the route of Doctor Strange flying. Do you think that would fit in the MCU? I think it depends on how they do it. If it's a, if it's a scene of him like maybe kind of falling to his doom and he kind of catches himself with, no. with with the the cape then that's okay but if he literally goes off and flies to the next scene <laughs> then that'll be a little a little weird there i wonder if they'll even treat his cape a little bit like how they treated um jarvis yeah if they'd even kind of have that little bit of a relationship obviously the cape wouldn't talk back to him but just kind of have that bantering going on between him and his cape i wonder if they'll even go that route yeah, because I don't know if they're going to add that sort of layer of complexity to this yeah. movie. Because it's already going to be a lot for an attitude. And then all of a sudden you have this weird cape that is somewhat sentient. Yeah. I don't know if sentient is the right word, but it does to seem to have something there. Where oh, it's like a symbiote? Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. Cool. But I do like the concept of it and the look of it, the iconic look. So yes. if you look on Empire Magazine, I believe, or Entertainment Weekly or whatever, yeah, there was a picture it. there. And it looks like they're just pulling his appearance right off the comic book. Yes. And one of the things that's quite prominent in the trailers is this Eye of Agamotto. So this is something that, again, it's been associated with Doctor Strange for decades. Mm -hmm. This is a relic, a piece that he wears around his neck. It can kind of really do anything. <laughs> it's all for looks. <laughs> yes, but it, it kind of has this power where it can radiate these white lights and it wards off evil mystical beings. It gives Doctor Strange telepathic powers. It can create doorways to other universes, to other dimensions, and... It allows them to manipulate time and space. So this thing can do anything. And it sounds a lot like oh, an Infinity Gem. Okay, yeah, I see where you're going with this. It may be one of these tropes again where, yes, in the MCU, we've been collecting Infinity Stones for quite some time now. Mm -hmm. I really like this aspect of the Marvel films. I yep. find it ties the MacGuffins together because yep. that's really all this is. I don't know if we're going to be chasing the Eye of Agamotto here or if this is going to be something more of a journey to find Doctor Strange and mm -hmm. then we end up in a battle with some sort of mystical being or whatever, which mm -hmm. it does look like. But I don't know if there's going to be another layer of 
chasing some sort of MacGuffin that is the Eye of Agamotto or something like that that does turn out to be an Infinity Gem. Right. The ability to manipulate time and all that, this really sounds like the Time Stone. Yes. And it seems like a logical next place for an Infinity Stone to be present. And when you read through the comic description of the Eye of Agamotto, it really does fit that. Now, in the mm-hmm. comics, it's not an Infinity Gem. It's a separate thing. It's yeah. something completely separate. It's a mystic relic. It's a mystic object. And putting an Infinity Stone is a bit more convenient for the cinematic universe. Yeah. But it really does fit, I think. Yeah, especially with Infinity War coming out pretty soon after that. Well, about a year or two after yeah. that. So. Yeah, yeah so the, you got to finish this off. And this may tie into maybe one of my predictions for the post credits scene. Cool. You guys have to wait to the end of the episode to find yeah. out. <laughs> and that is not to be confused with the Orb of Agamotto. Mm-hmm. How do you think of the, the pronunciation? Pretty good, right? <laughs> You're Pretty doing good. good. Got us on Audible or something. <laughs> yeah. So this actually appears in Thor 1. It's in Odin's oh. vault there. Okay. Yeah, it's one of the relics that they walk by. Nice. This is, this is more of a, I'm going to say, a mystical crystal ball. Oh, okay. And I'm not sure if this is going to appear in the film, but this is something that is prominent in the comic books. And it's just this large crystal orb, which allows them to see significant mystical events in other dimensions. It's kind of a way of FaceTiming to <laughs> other dimensions in that, I think. Yeah. A one-way radio where he's streaming kind of something from another dimension. Nice. <laughs> but it's another big object in the Doctor Strange comic book universe. Mm-hmm. And then one other object here that I think we're probably going to see in the film is the Book of Vishanti. Oh, Okay. So it contains really all of this positive magic spells. It's kind of like a spell book, yes. to put it in the simplest of terms. And it's held by the Sorcerer Supreme. It acts kind of as a deterrent to the black arts, the dark arts, mm-hmm. that I think we're going to see in this film. And I really think they're going to hit on a Sith Jedi type thing. Yes, yes, for definitely. And its counterpart is the Darkhold. So mm-hmm. we're getting really complex here, I know. But <laughs> the Darkhold is the, the opposite to the Book of Ashanti in the sense that it contains all the knowledge of black magic. Mm-hmm. I just mentioned there that we're looking at probably like a Jedi Sith type thing. Yes. And I think this really kind of helps clarify a bit what the Book of Ashanti is versus the Darkhold. It's basically your Siths versus your Jedi. It's the light magic versus your dark magic. Right. And it's that, I think, is going to be the main antagonistic battle that we're going to see in this film between Doctor Strange yeah. as well as Mads Mikkelsen's character. Yes, and that's the selling point for me. And with all these kind of mystical objects and that i feel like i've said mystical objects a lot here and i'm i'm really waving my arms i'm quite animated this episode <laughs> yeah. here spells so. are being cast over yes, here <laughs> yes i love that but how does dr strange's magic work at least in the comic books i don't know what they're going to pull on from here but i've used terms like vishanti and agamato and mm-hmm. and really to put it in its simplest terms is that he draws his powers from a triad of mystical entities known as the vishanti right so there's Agamato is one, there's Ashtur is an Ogoth. Wow. But no wands, so he doesn't actually have a wand or anything. It's so all in the hands. There is a wand of Watum. Oh, okay, of course. Uh, Watum is another one of these mystical entities that power is drawn from. I don't know if we're going to see that. It might yeah. be a bit, maybe maybe in Doctor Strange Part 2 or Part right. 3. Yeah. But I really do think we're going to see at least, well, we know the Eye of Agamato. The Book mm-hmm. of Ashanti, I think, is so ingrained in the Doctor Strange lore that we're going to see something right. like that. But... These objects are created by the Vishanti, these three mystical entities. Cool. When he becomes the Sorcerer Supreme, he is imbued with these mystical objects. It'd be cool if he could get the axe, um, the axe that he has that he's rocking in the All New All Different. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about that axe. I just think it's a really cool look to it. 
I'm sure there's something crazy about that axe. Yeah, so I believe in the current iteration, he loses his sorcery powers and he wields this axe. And I believe it is some sort of mystical object again. (laughs) But I'm not sure of the extent of it. Like, I haven't really read much of the recent stuff. And I just couldn't really get into it after his Secret Wars appearance. Yes. I don't know why. Yeah. And again, it, I just have this hesitation. The art wasn't something I was looking yeah. for. And yeah. Ah, the recent stuff, I'm really struggling getting into. And the bar is so high set with uh, Secret Wars, that incarnation yes. of uh, Doctor Strange, right? He's really good in that. Really good. Yeah. yeah. And just briefly touching on some of the supporting cast in the comic books, which is translated somewhat into the film here. So we're seeing the same representation of these characters. Again, pulling heavily and inspired heavily by the comic books here. Mm-hmm. So there's Wong. He's his manservant, his sidekick, <laughs> his valet at yeah, times. <laughs> and it's it's an interesting character because I almost view him after reading the oath as as more of a partner than anything else. He refers to Doctor Strange as master, yeah. which is kind of a weird relationship. You're getting kind of a slave relationship yeah. off it, a peasant relationship off it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a lot more than that. And as you go through this book, The Oath, it really does kind of delve into their relationship and how much Doctor Strange actually cares for Wong. Because the whole story is surrounded around, it's called The Oath, and it's really about the Hippocratic Oath that he takes as as a doctor as opposed to his like sorcerer oath or okay. whatever, right? and which one outweighs the other, and at what point in time does the greater good outweigh taking care of Wong? And it's a really interesting story, and you see him struggle with the dynamic of you know curing all cancer versus just right. curing Wong, and the battle that's going on there. It's, it's a really good story, and you right. see him really struggle with this character of Wong and what to do when he's terminally ill. Mm-hmm. And I really think it helps with that relationship. It helped give me a, at least a good perception of what we're going to see in the film as far as how their dynamic is going to be. Because I don't know if it's going to be as much of a master and apprentice sort of thing right. or a master-servant sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be more of a companion type thing. I yes. think that Wong is going to be one of these sorcerers that are being trained or has been trained by the Ancient One. And they're, they're more of peers rather than a servant-master type thing. Yeah, I see that makes sense on the big screen. Yeah. Yeah. And then also Night Nurse. So this is another character that is present in this oath book. And mm-hmm. there is kind of a Night Nurse in the MCU already. In the That's Netflix. what I was confused with. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this Claire Temple character, which yes. takes a lot of cues from the Night Nurse that is present. So there's a few Night Nurses in the comic book world. I think there's three, actually. Wow. And they're basically just practitioners, private practitioners, that take care of the superhero community. And you really see those elements pulled into Rosario Dawson's character in Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and all that, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to see similar elements to that in Rachel McAdams' character, which looks to be more of a partner of Doctor Strange's prior to his accident. So she seems to be a surgeon as well, Mm -hmm. not so much a nurse or a doctor that is kind of working in the background. I think you're going to see some elements in the sense that she is probably there with them and maybe he is injured and she has to help him. I really don't know how much she's going to be in the film, Mm -hmm. if she's going to be a love interest or what the deal is with her. But you're probably going to see a lot of mirroring of what we see in Claire Temple in the Netflix series to what we see in Rachel McAdams' character. Mm -hmm. That's my kind of prediction here. And that's really what you're getting from the comic books here is that she is... A practitioner that kind of wants to be a superhero but doesn't really have superhero powers. Right. And she's a nice presence in the Oath comic book series as well. So Doctor Strange, does he... I guess he doesn't really have a love interest in the comics, does he? I mean, I've never really seen him with... There there is a woman, I believe, and she turns out to maybe be... Niece or daughter of Dormammu. Oh, I can't quite remember. It's it's, it's in there somewhere. Um, Again, my... History is a bit fuzzy because I haven't yeah. delved into it too much. Yeah. But there are love interests there. And okay. I don't know if they're going to shoehorn in a love story into right. this. 
I'd be happy if they stayed away from it. Yeah, because it did such a good job in Winter Soldier, right? Yeah. I think that's the best example of a superhero movie staying away from a love interest. Yeah. yeah, and you don't need that to hinge the story. And I get that you do need to show that these people are are human. They yes. Have, they're sympathetic and they care about people. Mm -hmm. But you can do that from a Wong perspective or even a Night Nurse perspective where it's his peer, his friend, his colleague. Yeah. And someone that he really cares about but doesn't have to be on a, a love level. Absolutely agree. And the next character here who is portrayed in the Doctor Strange MCU film by Edgy Ford. Yes. I'm not going to try to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> you can take a shot here. But Carl Mordo or yes. Baron Mordo, his more formal name. Right. So this is a character that was introduced in Stranger Tales issue 111. So the issue after the initial appearance of Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. And he is a peer of Doctor Strange's. He studied under the Ancient One. And in the comic books, he quickly develops into an antagonist. So mm -hmm. Strange foils more to one of Mordo's plots to actually kill the Ancient One. And he's kind of developed as this character that's very jealous of Doctor Stephen Strange right. because of the favor that he gets from the Ancient One. And he's more or less cast out of the, the Sorcerer's Society here mm -hmm. underneath the Ancient One. And is always really kind of pissed that Doctor Strange got the Sorcerer Supreme role right. after the Ancient One bit it. Mm -hmm. So this character here, I don't really think they're going to go down this path with Mordo in Doctor Strange. You know, we spoke about this before in previous podcasts that we hope to see a Loki-Thor development yes. relationship here where Carl Mordo and Dr. Stephen Strange are peers. They come up together. There is some jealousy. There's competition there. But don't go down the evil peer or evil kind of counterpart right away. I mm -hmm. think Mordo is someone they can save for later. And he can really build and feel that relationship. And when it starts to break down and when he does the eventual turn, which I think he probably will. Yes. Not in this movie, I'm hoping. Mm -hmm. It would be a little much for this movie, I think. But you really start to feel that, like you do with Loki and Thor, right? Yeah. I really hope they don't go the uh, Green Lantern route with Sinestro. Oh, because man. they butchered that at the end credit scene where yeah. he's just, you know, I'm the bad guy. I'm evil now. <laughs> yeah. So I really think they're going to project a lot of this combo character into Mad Mickelson's character. Where yeah. he is a sorcerer that's maybe taken up to the dark arts. Again, you're seeing this Jedi Sith yes. type development here. Mm -hmm. You're going to see him being jealous of Stephen Strange. You're going to see him being maybe cast out from the Ancient Ones yes. and society that she's building there. And I think that's where you're going to see the main battle here. They're going to take elements of Carl Mordo from the comic book and project that into this character. I'm not familiar in the comic books with Mads Mikkelsen's character. I was just going to ask you. Yeah, Yeah. so I'm, I don't know who that is. And I it may be a more of a, a, a subtle B-list type character in Doctor Strange's world yeah. that I'm just not really familiar with. But I really do see elements of the Mordo story and the Mordo character being projected into that. And I right. think that's the direction they're going to probably go. I'm sure he'll probably change and get the burning head or something. Yeah, exactly. The movie. Yeah. yeah. And speaking about villains. So mm -hmm. a couple of the villains, Dormammu. So yes. this is kind of the big bad for Doctor Strange. Yes. I'm not sure if he's going to be in this film. I see him maybe as more of a Thanos type for yeah. the Doctor Strange the universe. Yeah. yeah. Pulling some of the strings and maybe controlling the sorcerer that becomes more of a dark sorcerer using the dark arts. Yes. And he's kind of like this overpowering mystical being, right? Like he's Voldemort like. Yes, yeah. exactly. And he's kind of the ruler of this alternate dimension known as the dark dimension. Mm -hmm. He's one of the biggest adversaries for Doctor Strange. He's a very powerful sorcerer. I'm hoping that we do see him because he's got really cool images. Here's got yeah. the big flaming head. Right. Yeah. He's quite a tall being Huge. and all that. You see him in the most recent Build-A-Figure for the Doctor Strange yeah, wave. Yeah, right. yeah, And it would be a really interesting character to see. And with the way that the, the CG is in this film and the visuals, I think it would really project well onto the screen. 
I don't know if we're going to get it. My yeah. prediction is yes, to mm-hmm. some degree. I'm not sure if he's going to be kind of something that shows up at the end. I really don't hope they do like a enchantress type thing where yeah. you fight this one villain for a while, you defeat him, and oh, here's Dormammu. Here's Doomsday. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Right? Yeah. I don't want that don't want for Dormammu. I no. hope they use him as more of a Thanos. He's pulling the yes. strings and they don't really interact. Maybe mm-hmm. a little bit at the end of the film he gets some sort of inclination or Dormammu ends up ripping the Ancient One's head off or yeah. something like that. Yeah, just take the time with it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you kind of string it out because the way this is performing already, we know it's going to get a sequel. Oh, yeah. Whether or not that fits in sometime in Phase 3 mm-hmm. towards 2019 or 2020 because there are some films that haven't been quite announced yet. Yes. And if this warrants being put into a May slot, there is a May 2020 for a Marvel movie. So we'll see. And one other villain that may or may not show up in this, and I believe the director did comment, and I caught this, so spoilers for a potential villain for Mm -hmm. a follow-up movie. And this is Nightmare. So he's kind of the ruler of the dream dimension here. And he kind of torments people in their dreams while they sleep. And this is a character I believe Scott Derrickson did say that he'd like to kind of explore a bit more in the follow-up, in the sequel to Doctor Strange. Right. Is that like the alien dark thing? Yeah, like the... so he rides a horse. Oh, okay, okay. I, sorry, I was thinking of the son of Mephisto. Um, yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. I forgot that character's name. Anyways, yeah. So his horse is named Dreamstalker. And cool. It's kind of all. It's it's a cool character. I think yeah. that would fit into this universe. It's you guys just got to be ready for kind of anything. Yeah. You know, we're going off your 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 normal scripted superhero movie here. This yeah. isn't your Iron Man and your Cap right. that's grounded in science right. and all this. Yeah. It's going to be all over the place. For sure. But Marvel's done such a great job. You know, with Guardians, they, they got you into the world and you liked it. And the same with Ant-Man. So you're in good hands here, for sure. And quickly before we wrap it up here, teams that Doctor Strange has been on. So he's been an active Avenger for years. He's yep. part of the new Avengers. But he's one of the founding members of the Defenders. Yeah, that's right. So this first dropped in 1971. And he's with the Hulk, Namor. And then Silver Surfer does join the team oh, that's a little a good later squad. on. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's a good so, team. It's a big team. And it was really composed of individuals. It's kind of these people that you don't necessarily picture as being on a team. Even though Hulk was on the first Avengers yeah. and, <laughs> and all that. And they seem to be people with their own agendas. And they're more or less fighting more of the mystical stuff. So it is an interesting take on the characters. And when you contrast to what we're going to see in the Netflix series, it does take elements from the Defenders in that they're characters with their own agendas. And they're individuals in themselves. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're going to see any of these characters in the representation that we're going to get in the Netflix series. It's really cool if Doctor Strange did show up. Right. But I don't think we're going to get anything like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think the Defenders we will see will definitely be street-level characters. Yeah. yeah. And the other group, and this is one of the things I'm really hoping for, yes. the Illuminati. Yeah, huge. We have a lot of the key players already. We do indeed. And so yeah. the Illuminati is this group of some of the most powerful individuals yeah. Yes, in the Marvel Universe, comic book universe. And they kind of control everything. They've kind of retconned them all the way back to the Kree Skull War. Yeah. And they've been kind of pulling the strings here. They're responsible for shooting Hulk up into space. Yeah, that's and right. Doctor Strange is present for all of this. Yeah. And this is composed of Namor, Tony Stark, Reed Richards, Black Bolt, Seema Strange, and Professor X. Yes. Who does get it replaced by Beast and Captain America rotates in. Yeah, he kind of came in there for a little bit yeah. and got uh, deceived by them. And, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a group that I'm really hoping someday we see oh, on my God. screen. Yeah. And I think this is a great segue into discussing a bit about our predictions for a post-credit sequence. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you go first here. Cool. We know there's two. Yeah. And Troy and I have no previous knowledge on this. We have not looked at spoilers. So these are just pure predictions. So yeah. don't get mad if we get one of them right or partially <laughs> yeah. right and we spoil it right. for you. 
You've been warned. <laughs> I definitely think we're going to probably get a time gem. I think we're, we're whether it's a time gem or not, we're definitely going to get some kind of pull into the Thanos, the Infinity War uh, story arc coming in here. They have to kind of give us a little bit. And what other better way to do it with this movie, right? Um, I'm sure we'll get something similar in Guardians as well. Um, my next thing was maybe... Yeah, the assembly of a team. Maybe we'll get the um, the Illuminati coming up here. Like, if we could have Tony Stark kind of come off and assemble a line because, you know, the Avengers are kind of broken, right? They kind of crumbled. So if Tony Stark was to approach Stephen Strange, he's already been mentioned in Winter Soldier, so he obviously has his eye on this guy, right? I think that'd be pretty cool. I'm over here Black pumping Panther my well, face. Right? Like, I'm, I'm so <laughs> stoked about these predictions. Right. Yeah, so, oh man, that'd just be awesome. It would be absolutely incredible to yeah. see something like that. And, I'm more or less aligned with you on cool. one of those here. Yeah. I would really hope to see a Tony Stark recruitment. Yes. I don't think we're going to get I that. Don't. <laughs> but I think we're definitely going to get some sort of hint towards the grander Infinity War. Yes. We saw it at the end of Age of Ultron where we did see Thanos grabbing the gauntlet and saying, right. fine, I'll do it myself. Right. We know that the Russos are working on this right as we speak. Mm-hmm. The cast is getting ready. They're starting to film in January. Oh. It would make sense that they've come onto the scene here and film maybe a brief scene with Doctor Strange, whether that involves interaction with someone else, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I really think one of them at least is going to be Infinity Stone related. And the second I think is going to be a Thor, Ragnarok. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense actually. So yeah. that's the next movie coming, or one of the next movies coming out here. And the Doctor Strange realm really fits into the Thor movies. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of at least complement each other somewhat. Yes. And it would make sense to see a Thor tease in here, similar to what we saw at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, yeah. Kind of working those three in together, I think will really benefit, kind of leaning on each other a bit. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking of Thor scene for sure. That's a good call. I don't know if Hulk's going to be in it, or if they're going to wrap all of that into a single Infinity Stone scene, mm-hmm. because Thor is one to comment on these Infinity Gems coming up, and so he could come down to Earth or some aspect of it where I've been made aware of another Infinity Stone becoming present, and I don't know what they're going to do here. I'm really yeah. excited for these post-credit sequences. There's so much that's open, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we could just end up with a throwaway scene, yeah. at least with one of them, where you know James Gunn, the, the Howard the Duck scene was kind of a throwaway. Yeah. We could end up with something as goofy as that. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going to take this opportunity to seed some of the movies that we're going to see in 2017, Thor being one of them. And they got this big-ass movie coming up right on the horizon here, right. Infinity War. So look out for those. Oh, can't wait for that stuff. All right, guys. Well, that about wraps it up for our... Doctor Strange in comics episode here. So I hope that gives you a little bit more understanding of Doctor Strange coming out of the comic books. And again, we're learning together here. So if we've missed something big, if there's a mystical object that we didn't talk about, if there's some huge aspect of Doctor Strange that you'd want to share with us, you can always get us at the NerdRM and TroyTheBoy87. Yes. Just hit us up on Twitter. Go check out our Facebook page or comment on YouTube. We're looking to integrate your thoughts, opinions into this. And we want to learn about this together because this is more or less new world for us so be sure to check back here next week where we're going to be reviewing with sanjay back in the room dr strange so we're going to check it out this thursday so by the time you're hearing this episode we'll be probably close to getting ready to go to see dr strange the next entry into the marvel cinematic universe i'm super stoked for this i cannot wait and it's just killing me because there's so many spoilers around but i appreciate those that are keeping the themselves yeah continue to do that before we take off here just quickly. Oh, yeah. You've got the Doctor Strange Collector's Court box here. We're right. just going to quickly unbox this just to take a look. I know this is maybe a little bit of bonus content. <laughs> yeah, almost, this is. Almost sure. said our goodbyes here, yeah. but I completely forgot about it. It was <laughs> off to the side here. So After credit. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic looking box here. We've got Benedict Cumberbatch on the front. Mm-hmm. 
guys don't know what these are, Collector's Court boxes are a bi-monthly subscription box where they send you Funko Pops, exclusive items like t-shirts and all that kind of stuff. Check it out on the internet. I'd love to be sponsored by these guys, but we're not. <laughs> but check it out. It's a great thing to get every other month. Yeah, and they're usually themed around the cinematic films and, and all that. There's also Star Wars one, which is fantastic. Yeah. So. I love the artwork for these boxes. They have that little vintage kind of look going on. Yes. We've got a pin in the patch. Nice. Beautiful. Let's see what they've got in here. Yes. X-Men. The t-shirt that I'm going to be wearing here on uh, a Funko t-shirt of Doctor Strange. Going to be wearing that. Good stuff. Thursday. What sizes do do you have to tell them your size? Or yeah, they just you, tell, you? you okay, tell them cool. Size. We've got Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme, so that just dropped. Number one, so that's a new comic book. That's right, sweet. Oh, and then we've got very psychedelic. Check out that Funko Pop, Doctor Strange. Cool. In look, what looks to be some sort of meditation or astral plane. Yeah, I'd say it's the astral plane look, isn't it? Doctor Strange Levitation, it's called. Oh, okay. Beautiful looking Funko Pop there. Really cool, something really different. And then also a Doctor Strange Funko mug. Oh, look at that. Perfect. <laughs> this is great. This really fills out my Doctor Strange collection because I'm really lagging here. I've <laughs> got some of the, uh, the legends and the cups and that, but really, really cool stuff here. So go check that out on the internet. See what we just opened up here. So if you guys aren't collecting these and you're a Marvel fan, be sure to get into these. These are fantastic items and they're exclusive. So as a collector, you can appreciate that. Yeah, can't lose. Like I said, we will be back next week with our Doctor Strange film review. If you guys are interested in Star Wars, we didn't talk about Star Wars this week, so we're going to get a little plug here for our other podcast, Star Wars Rebels Alert. It's a weekly podcast where we recap and discuss all the episodes of Rebels Season 3. And this past week, because there was a brief hiatus, we reviewed the Ahsoka book, the novel that just dropped from E.K. Johnson. If you're interested in Star Wars, head over there. It drops every Monday on the same feed you're listening to. It's on YouTube. You can always find us there at SWRebelsAlert on Twitter and SWRebelsAlert at gmail.com if you're looking to comment or participate in that show as well. So just a quick plug there. Make sure to go check that out. All right, Troy. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure always. talking Doctor Strange in comics. I learned a lot today. Yeah, I yeah. feel like I kind of did too, just yeah. talking through yeah, it. I learned yes. a lot about this guy. I definitely want to pick up that book, The Oath, now. Yes, yeah. I'll lend it to you. Did you got Cool, me. cool. All right, guys. Until next week for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering The Nerd Room. The ones of what whom? <laughs> the cloak of levitation. The eye of Agamotto. The orb of Agamotto. The book of Ashanti. I'm working on those for hours. Well, that sounds great. That sounds like straight out of a 60s cartoon. Like, <laughs> man, nailed it. <laughs> we are out. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. You can find our hosts, Tim, Sunday, and Troy, on Twitter at TheNerdRM1912Podcasting and Troy, the boy 87 